Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome back to another fun, exciting episode of the Writer's Process Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, uh, and my guest today, I've never interviewed him um, solo. He's usually with his writing partner, uh, but uh, his writing partner is not available, so I was very happy to have him uh, on the show. Please welcome Patrick Casey. How are you doing, Patrick? Hey, good to be here. I'm I'm doing all right. All right, awesome. Now, uh, Patrick, uh, I guess I've, I've interviewed you a bunch of times about your old past or whatever about the stuff that you've done back in the amazing schlock days when you first started out. But tell us, like before then, you know, how did you get into writing? Period. Oh, like as a kid. Um, right, as a kid, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I never, like, decided to be a writer. I feel like I always was one, even before I was really writing stuff. You know, I loved comic books and, you know, sci-fi paperbacks. And even when I was just a little, little kid, you know, I'd make up little plays and stuff and perform them with my siblings, and no one wanted to watch, uh, you know, the, try and trick the adult into watching our, our skits or whatever. Just you know, always reading everything. I always, I was always just like, oh, this gives me an idea, or like, what if it, what if it's like this, but with the, this new twist? You know, it's just the way <laughs> my brain always works. Well, what were some uh, of your like uh, stuff when you did as a child? Like, what were some of the skits that you did? Oh man, the skits. I don't remember. Like, I really liked like swashbuckling kind of stuff, like the, the Princess Bride kind of <laughs> kind of scenario right. for some reason. A lot of sword fights. And then, I, yeah, I would, like, make my own comic books, too, um, that were always kind of funny. Nice. Like, I really liked, like, Ambush Bug and, like, the Keith Giffen kind of comics. So, like, mm-hmm. I, had a, I, had a, I had a Batman parody who was just called Emotion Peace Man. He just, you know, would go around being insane and just beating people up for no reason. Stuff <laughs> like that. That's funny. Did you, did you ever do anything with that? Did you ever, like, shoot it or anything? <laughs> no, no, no. That fell by the wayside a long time ago. Um, <laughs> uh, it was funny though. I should, yeah, he had a funny design too. I should just draw him again. Just to, to oh, you get you get a picture. He looked like Batman, but he only had two, Yeah, he had like instead of two spikes, two tall spikes on the side of his head. He just had one spike going right up from the middle of his head. That was <laughs> that was his distinctive look. <laughs> And one eye Again. was always way bigger than the other one because he was so insane, you know. Uh, <laughs> that would have been at, like, junior high. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so after that, you, you got together with uh, Worm, uh, as we'll call him, because that's, back then that's what he was – I guess that, that was his nickname that kind of stuck in the um, Amazing Schlock world. And if nobody knows what Amazing Schlock was, it was – a, uh, I guess it was a film company that you guys created, production company, and you guys just did like low budget horror films and sci fi films, right? 
Yeah, extremely low budget. Because I mean, we've done, I've told you that story before, but, you know, in our town we had, like, a local cable show um, all through high school where we would make, uh, you know, comedy shorts and then show them while also doing, like, it was, a, it was mostly a live show. It's a live call-in show, comedy show. Sometimes we would have bands, whatever. So then after we graduated from high school, yeah, we were making these super low-budget horror movies, like, whenever we would have a break from college. Like, every summer we would make a movie. And other than the price of the camera, which Nerd's parents generously bought for, <laughs> for our youth, uh, we would only spend, you know, a couple of hundred bucks to make each movie. Because uh, we didn't have any money, really, and we mostly were making these movies instead of getting summer jobs like everyone else did, so they would have spending money. Uh, so uh, we never had any spending money. We, we made movies instead. So and they would, I think and some of them like, got out on video, which is how you saw some of them, yeah. Right. And, like, Hey, Stop Stabbing Me was out, and that was, like, your big break, pretty much. Um, that was the yeah, one that, that was the first started. one that really got... Yeah, it got any kind of attention. Not, not that it got a lot of attention, but it got a little attention, which felt like a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what was it? And then you went on to actually, you guys moved to LA. And I mean, we've, we've talked about this too a lot is like you moved to LA and you guys met uh, the Hill and Brands and worked on Dorm Days. Um, going from that one transition to another as writers, did it, did the, your writing process together change at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because the process has never been set in stone. Um, you know, at times just one or the other of us would write like a huge chunk of a movie, like on our own, especially in those early days when we could stay up all night. Uh, and then, and then, you know, we would like punch it up together, finish it together uh, for, yeah, like, Dorm Days 1, I think Josh, like, wrote a lot of the first draft without me, uh, based on ideas we talked about. You know, we, we used to, and we still do, we go on big walks, like, around the lake and kind of, like, really just, like, brainstorm. It helps to move your feet while you're brainstorming. And uh, right. back then, I don't know, we didn't really outline back then. Now we outline. Now we're always on deadlines. It's more important to actually get things done in a timely fashion. Um, back then, I have no idea how we finished anything, actually, looking back <laughs> on those Dorm Days movies. Well, I mean, I, I think from what, what, well, from what I've understood, you guys kind of do, um, you know, like, uh, once, once you guys will talk and hang out and start writing, like, and stuff like that together, uh, one person will probably be at the computer, right, and the other person kind of dictating things together, right? Is that how you guys pretty much did it back in the day? Actually, not usually. Um, it's more like we'll talk we'll talk and talk and talk and, you know, kind of scenes and how it goes. And then often, then when it's time to really write, like one of us will be at the, at the computer jotting down, like, notes um, of what we're saying and, like, creating an outline. But then usually what happens is then we'll be like, you know, it's like, I'll write this one. I've got, I, I know how this, fight scene is going to go, and the other one will be like, well, I guess I'll write this other scene where, you know, they find the bomb, whatever. And right. we'll both sit at our computers and write two scenes simultaneously, and then 
when we're running out of juice on that scene, you know, we'll be like, well, all right, here, here it is. You know, sometimes we'll even just like hand each other our computers and then each do a pass on the other person's scene too. <laughs> that's pretty neat. We're, we're, we're like, fairly that's... interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good that you guys have the same kind of mindset of what you guys both want, right? Like you're not really, are you guys ever like arguing about a scene? No, not not arguing. I mean, sometimes we disagree, but it definitely helps that we've been working together for so long now, and we've like seen so many many movies together, and we always, you know, we always talk about um, walking out of a movie or, and, and that we've developed sort of a unified theory of how movies should work. Like we usually agree on what's good and what's bad in things we see, so it's like it's we usually agree on the ideas we have as well. I mean, sometimes one of us will have an idea and the other one's like, I don't, and then it's up to the first person to try to get the second person to like see what's good about it. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, but, you know, it's like, we'll only kind of move forward with something. even uh, if, if both of us, you know, feel like it's good. Uh, Definitely. You know, it's, it's a level of quality control, but we're mostly on the same page. But, well, do you guys write in public or, like, the privacy of your own homes? Um, that's kind of gone back and forth, too. Uh, most of the time. Now we, we mostly work at uh, Josh's house. Um, there have been times, you know, depending on our living situation, you know, for a while we worked at my house. For a while we worked at, uh, we found, like, this great coffee shop that we really liked to work in which wasn't great for like pacing around and really topping out ideas, but was terrific for, you know, both sitting at our computers and just and really cranking out pages. Um, then eventually for like building code reasons or something, they, they, they don't let you plug your computers in there anymore, which I feel like is destroying their business. It's a real shame. Everyone Ooh, in that, that coffee shop was in there working on their screenplays all, all the time. And now you can only go and work on your screenplay for a few hours before your computer runs out of juice. Yeah, that sucks. Why do they? Why Why do you think they did that? I mean, just out of curiosity. Like that does sound like a retarded, uh, you know, thing. I mean, I don't think they wanted to do it. I don't have the details, but I feel like the city or something, like the insurance company. There's there maybe is some kind of premium that coffee shops have to pay to like let you plug in your computers there for some reason. Uh, Even though almost every coffee shop. Does let you plug in your computers willy-nilly? Starbucks certainly does. Um, But the other place I like to write is to just go for hikes. Like, we'll go to uh, Lake Hollywood, which is like a big reservoir-type man-made lake in the the Hollywood Hills. And uh, it's like a a two-and-a-half walk around it, two-and-a-half miles. We'll just do that. Often see actors around the lake, too. Robert Forster is there almost every day, walking around, just, like, <laughs> reciting his lines or whatever his next thing he's going to be in. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Seen him there dozens of times. Uh, uh, do you ever, but that's, you, you know, ever when we're really blue like sky. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I've just given him the old, like, look and nod, you know. Like, hey, I know that you're Robert right. Forster, but I don't have to say anything. Because you, you know it all, though. You, you know who you are. Yeah. 
Um, do you read a lot of screenplays? And if so what's your favorite screenplay you've ever read? You know, I almost never read screenplays. <laughs> I probably <laughs> should. You know, they, like, send me – I've got, like, all these screenplays in book form that they send me during awards season. Um, and I always kind of, like, mean to read ones for movies I like, uh, but I almost never do. I like to read novels, and I like to read comic books. And when I read screenplays, it's usually work-related, which is usually, you know, a studio. Sometimes, you know, we'll do rewrite stuff or script doctor stuff. Usually... Oh. If I'm reading a screenplay, it's for work, and and pretty much they'll only send it to me if it's bad. I've got, like, a negative emotional reaction to just reading screenplays in general, because every time someone needs us to fix something, it's like, they're only going to do us because it's kind of a disaster, and they want us to fix it, you know? Uh, okay. So and, do like, you guys reading a bad of... script is so depressing, you know? <laughs> just reading, right. like... I always look and I'm like, oh God, it's you know, I'll, I'll be so bored. Twenty five pages in, and I look and it's 115 pages. It's like, wow, why? But I have to do it. Uh, do you do a lot of script doctoring? Um, not a lot, but some, and it seems like we're kind of doing more. Um, but most of that stuff's kind of top secret, so I can't really talk about specifics. What what movies may be involved? Um. Some of them are upcoming and haven't been announced. Other ones, you know, we had our first real script doctor, uh, I mean, three years ago. And that was one where, yeah, we read it and we were just like, oh, God, this is god-awful. And we did a lot of work on it and brought it from god-awful to, to mediocre. The movie still hasn't come out, unshockingly. But I feel like that was one, you know, we read it and then we just kind of looked at each other and like, what? Why did they buy this idea in the first place? You know, there's like nothing I was, here. I, I was gonna say it wasn't X Men Dark Phoenix, was it? <laughs> no, no. But we would have taken that job if they'd offered us. You know, we would have we would have done our best. I mean, we always try and leave every script in a better place than we left it. Even if they give us a really really bad script, we try and make it, um, you know, as good as possible even if sometimes it's an impossible task to make it really good, especially because usually, you know, they, they come to us so late in the process, too, that we'll be like, what's the point of this character? Let's get rid of him. They're like, do it. We can't. You know, we already signed the contract. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's like, you can't. You know, how about we get rid of this whole sequence? Like, no, no, no. You know, you gotta, you got to make this all make sense, but you can't change any of the locations or the order of the scenes, you know, that kind of thing, where you're just sort of dancing on a... On a Head of a pin trying to trying to make it sing when it's just like not so good to start with. Um, but sometimes you, you get we're working on another movie right now that'll hopefully be uh, greenlit and announced in the coming months. Where it was the first time really where they gave us a script and uh, we're like, ah, oh, this is actually this is pretty good. The previous draft was pretty good. We could just add on to it instead of trying to figure out how to change it. Much more fun. Yeah. That way. Uh, that sounds a lot better. Um, Hopefully, as our careers progress, we'll be getting script doctoring jobs on, on movies that are, are, are better to start with. We seem to be trending upwards in that regard. Well, speaking of which, you've got uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, 
that you had to adapt a, right. a, a, from a video game. Uh, what was the yeah. process? Was was like was the process of writing a uh, you know video game movie and you know or video game entering it into a movie harder or easier than just a regular screenplay like original screenplay that you're doing? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I suppose it's uh, it's different just because I mean this was a you know video game series has been kind of all over the map and. They weren't really clear on what they wanted to retain exactly or what elements they really wanted for the movie. So it was almost original, but you're sort of hemmed in by, you know, obviously. I mean, and us too, we wanted to satisfy the fans. You know, so we were, the real question was just like, what, if, you know, what, what would I want out of a Sonic movie that I didn't write if I was just going to see it? Um, and is there a way to make that all work and make sense? I mean, we came on to that movie and it hadn't been greenlit or anything. And there had been some previous drafts, but they had all been sort of tossed out so we were starting fresh. And it was at Sony at the time. So we got like sort of a document from Sega with do's and don'ts about like what they wanted in this movie and then talked to Sony and they had kind of their own do's and don'ts, some of which conflicted with that, I guess. And then, you know, we had Neil Morris as a producer and Tim Miller as an exec producer. Uh, so you're trying to come up with something that'll make everyone happy, not by compromising, but by by coming up with something fresh that'll just get them all excited about it being something that's maybe not exactly what they envisioned coming into it, you know. And uh, we developed a story with Jeff Fowler, the director, which I think is a good way to do it, on these big studio movies. Because, like, if you write, if you write a movie, you're not going to direct yourself. And it's like if you do all mm-hmm. this work on the screenplay and, you know, the producers have notes and everybody has notes and you do all the notes and you do a bunch of drafts and then they're like, time to the director. Then the new director is just going to come in and want to change everything immediately. Better right. in my mind on a big movie like this to have the director from the get-go. Um, so you can, you know, whatever he wants it to be, some, you know, he'll be part of the decisions and be happier with it and not want to change everything after you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the studio is more likely to listen to the director than to the writers. They, they don't like listening to the writers. They don't, they don't want the writer's opinion. They want to write your suggestions only, you know. We're here to make an unlimited right. amount of suggestions. And the only way to win an argument is by making a suggestion so compelling that they love it. You can't really talk them into anything. You can only, you can only pitch them something that they love. That's, that's the only way to, to get it to get it to go. Um as far as, yeah, adapting a game, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of unique. We've never done a game before. I don't know if we will again. But I think it's, you know, just a matter of <laughs> pick, picking out the elements that are important and building a movie around it, you know. Well, okay, you personally, because, I mean, I, I don't have – we don't have uh, Josh here. But you personally, if you could – if there was any other game that you could um, adapt, what would it be? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny. We kind of had a brainstorming session about that a couple of years ago. Um, and one of the ones that we talked about was Rampage. And then they made a new movie, although very differently than I would have done it. To me, the defining characteristic of Rampage is the fact that uh, all the giant monsters were humans who got transformed into giant monsters. 
then they transform into humans right. again when you get killed at the end. And so I was like, that's what, right. that's, that's what the movie should be. It's about people who get turned into kaiju. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do that. Um, other ones, I'd like to do uh, a Gauntlet movie, actually. Oh, like the Remember new Gauntlet? Gauntlet? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was for, like, every system where it's, like, you know, it's, like, a four-player team-up thing where you're just, like, a wizard and a barbarian and a Valkyrie and an elf. And to me, yeah, that's, like, yeah. a clear movie. It's, like, a team-up. They're, you know, <laughs> they're four different people, and they're forced to team up, and they hate each other at first, and then they become best friends. And they do a lot of <laughs> fantasy kicking of ass along the way. Ah, I mean, people would love it. Be Guardians of the Galaxy, but in the fantasy world, you know. Right. That would have been. Why hasn't uh, anybody done that yet? I wonder. That's uh, because uh, Warner Brothers owns the rights. Like I know the answer to this question because we looked into it. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I, I, <laughs> I think it's because Warner Brothers owns the rights, but they don't want to do it because they're trying to make Dungeons and Dragons happen as like a big movie. Oh. Like as long okay. as they're, they're, I mean, maybe that'll change at some point when they get tired of trying to develop Dungeons and Dragons. But for now, <laughs> I think it's you know it's kind of like they only want to do one big fantasy movie at a time. Right. Uh, no, that totally could be a problem. That's why it's also a problem that there's less and less studios now. Like, Fox just going away is a bad thing because uh, each, each giant studio is only going to want, like, one thing in each kind of one sort of, you know, just, like, kills off any idea that might be somewhat close to whatever dumb idea they're already developing. That's a bummer. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder, because, like, you're in Hollywood, you know, so you kind of get the inside scoop a lot, you know, on what's kind of going on, especially since you're a Hollywood writer yourself, you know. Um, Do you feel like that is something, like, do you feel like sometimes it it kind of ruins the whole, like, fun aspect of, of being the writer, you know, like, hearing all these things and knowing, oh, man, like, uh, you know, they can't, they can't put out Gauntlet because, you know, they're working on Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? Like, does it just kind of ruin, like, your, like, fantasy, like, world in a way? Huh. Um, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, we, we still don't hear everything. I can still be surprised by things. It's kind of fun to get a little bit of the inside scoop on stuff and, you know about things that are upcoming that the public doesn't know about. I, mean, I, I can't spill the beans on this show because I want people to continue to tell me more secrets. Uh, <laughs> just for me, I want to know them. The way to get told more secrets is to be good at keeping them, right? That's my theory. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, now uh, I do want to ask, um, let's see, uh, what's your favorite genre to write for? Ah, that's a good question. Huh. I mean, it's funny, yeah, like, we've kind of been into, uh, like, since Sonic, we've done some other, other stuff that I can't talk about, really. Um, but I'll, we'll say the genres. We've got, like, another kind of big family uh, sort of action comedy. Uh so actually, possibly be greenlit and announced in the very near future, hopefully, like within the next month or two. And then, like, a sort of a horror action thing. 
which which will also be funny, and I, I'm really enjoying. Um, it's like, you know, I like the action comedy space or the kind of genre comedy space. Our thing for uh, Hulu, which is out in August, I think, School Spirit, which is part of the Blumhouse uh, horror anthology series, Into the Dark. It's kind of a yeah, thriller comedy, you... though. I uh, I was what just going to ask, because I know, I was just going to ask, because I know what, what they're all like supposed to be like holidays, you know, or whatever, right? Like inspired by holidays of each of the month or something. What is, what holiday yeah. is in August? There is literally no holiday in August. So <laughs> right? our holiday is back to school, which is not quite a holiday, but it, it's a, it's a time of year that everyone, you know, is it, it's. So it's a back-to-school movie. That's a holiday. Okay. All right. Well, it's School Spirit. That's the – it's called uh, – the, sh- uh, the show is called Into the Dark, right? Yes. So, the, yeah. yeah, each one's a movie. It's like one movie a month. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And ours – yeah, ours is the, the back-to-school. And that was uh, reasonably fun to write. It was kind of like gave us a chance to review sort of a slasher movie, you know, to watch a lot of classic, classic slasher movies of various kinds and read some good novels too. Like I like to read like themed novels to whatever we're writing. Like the thing we're working on right now takes place in the 30s. So I've been reading some Raymond Chandler, stuff like that. For School Spirit, I was reading, you know, uh, Patricia Highsmith. Like, you know, in, inside the mind of a killer. Right. Uh, talented Miss Ripley, stuff like that. So, you know, help, help you write good villain monologues, and he finally, you know, lets you know what makes him so insane. Why he wants to kill mm-hmm. everybody. What, what he's thinking, you know? Oh, okay, that that brings me up to a good question, because you're you're a writer and you're also an actor. Um, do you feel as a writer at it kind of helps you with acting because you're able to kind of get in the mind of the person that you either created or that you, or somebody else has created and, you know, you're able to, to bring forth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really acted in a while. I would like to do a little more acting than I've been doing, but I do think that they're strongly related. You know, it's like, I always tell actors, young actors that, are, you know, they should be, they should be writing and like, you know, take a writing class. And I also think it's really valuable for writers and directors to take acting classes and like learn to look at a script the way they teach you to in acting classes and really think about subtext and, you know, it's like some actors will sort of write down, this is what I, when I'm directing to, like I'll, I'll, I'll write down what the real subtext line is like next to the line of dialogue, you know, it's like what what the character's saying and then like what really saying underneath it, you know, and have that in mind. Um, and when directing, I like to put a lot of notes in there that maybe we'll never tell the actors, but if I have to tell the actors something to help them get a better performance, then it's like I don't have to come up with it on the spot. I can consult my notes and be like, ah, yes, and a cheat sheet of stuff I can say to the actor here. It's not quite working. Um, question? <laughs> yeah, 
that, that, that's good. That was a good answer. Um, you know, I know as uh, since I've done both and everything, it's kind of it, sometimes like if you're you, as you were saying, you get in the mind of like a serial killer or something. You know, um, sometimes you probably act it out a little bit when you're writing it too, right? Like your dialogue. Oh yeah, and stuff. for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> I bet yeah, there's like one character that, huh? in our. Well, I don't usually like I don't do it at top volume. And sometimes I don't even do it out loud. It's like you can kind of act it out silently, just in your mind. Um, yeah, we've got an upcoming again this this big uh, big movie that'll hopefully be announced soon. Have some real big actors uh, attached to it. Uh, that I'm very excited to see how these Oscar-winning actors perform these monologues that I've already performed in my head a million times, you know? I'm like, oh, man, is uh, Anthony Hopkins going to do this as good as I did it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if he's got the chops. I don't know. He's uh, He's pretty good. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty good. He's he's not he's not fully attached. I shouldn't have said that. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna listen to this podcast and be like, "Oh, that guy's like, I'm out." Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I um. I don't know. It, it's. I think it's wonderful that you're able to go out there and make these. Uh, films that, you know, like starting from where you, you know, from just making stuff with your friends to doing big stuff. That is just amazing. Yeah, it's been quite an evolution. Um, and we're hoping to get back to directing again soon. It's funny now, now the studios see us as writers, so we got to like talk them into the idea of, you know, we directed some stuff for uh, 12 Deadly Days a couple of years ago. I don't know if you any of that series. Um, I, I don't remember now, it. it uh, yeah. Yeah, a horror anthology series that I think you can still watch on if you have YouTube TV or YouTube Premium. Yeah, or maybe it was originally yeah, called YouTube really Red, sure, right? Yeah, originally YouTube called YouTube Red. Red. Exactly. It was a terrible well, name. Then they changed the name, and then I don't know what they are now. Because I, I stopped it once. Uh, I only got it for Cobra Kai for like the first season. And then, you know, after that. Yeah, Cobra Kai I, is great. I guess. Wait, is, is the second season of that up now? I should watch it. Yeah, the second it's season is out. It. And from what I remember hearing, something about them are they are like uh, going to release all of Cobra Kai for free on, on the third season or something. And, um, yeah, I think maybe I don't it's know. going to like a model now where it's like all that programming will be free, but you'll just have to sit through commercials to watch it, which probably makes a lot more. Yeah. Fun. YouTube, yeah, when it was YouTube Red, like there were no subscribers, and we made this show, and the show was great, and no one watched it because there were no subscribers. It was a bummer. I feel like that's yeah. some of our best work, you know? Uh, well, hopefully more hopefully people, people get to see it, see it if they, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, people will be contacting you, like, since you made, uh, I mean, since, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog is coming out pretty, yeah, I think in next year, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's uh, President's Day uh, 2020, February, whatever that would be, 15th or something. Wow. Oh. Um, so it's, com- 
it's coming out next year, and so you probably got a lot of people like contacting you, like, hey, who's this guy? You know, like uh, writing this, like you know, like um, they're just excited for this. Yeah, we've been yeah we've been keeping busy in the interim. Uh, we've had yeah. I've had a lot of rando fans like reach out to me on Twitter and be like, "Hey, can you help me get a cameo in the movie or whatever?" And I'm like, "Nah, I, I can't do that. No, <laughs> that is beyond my capability." Internet rando, like, uh, good luck <laughs> with your own quest to, to achieve this this goal. That, that's got nothing to do with me, though. Uh, yeah, it's a little strange. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that's that's every writer gets that you know gets that message of like, "Hey, man, can you?" Give me this, and then if you say no, then they go f you, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean this one is like weird because it's such a uh, such a known property that it's gotten like an inordinate amount of attention versus like a similarly sized movie that is not you know based on a beloved video game. It's been, been kind of weird and surreal in terms of yeah. just, like, the, the disproportionate internet attention paid to it, which has been I mean sure. Seems greater for me than for just some other random person, just because I, yeah. Uh, because of the fact that people <laughs> tweet at me every time there's like a piece of news or whatever, like there's people asking me questions that I can't answer. They're like, "Is this true? Is that <laughs> what's the plot? How Sonic gonna defeat Robotnik?" And I'm like, "You know, you'll buy a ticket, and you'll see." It's all gonna happen. Yeah, like you're not gonna. In the movies. Yeah, you're not gonna tell some <laughs> guy on Twitter like the ending of the of the movie. Like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do people expect? What do people expect? I don't know. We live in a world where people can connect to like our president, and he'll respond. I mean, it's just strange. <laughs> it's a strange world yeah. right now. Yeah. Now, are you able to? Sure. Are you? Are you able to kind of bring that into like the, your movies now? Like, because when screenplays used to be written, a lot of times like the day you know, or whatever, like, the stuff that was going on at that time was, like, you know, all brought in a lot. I mean, do you do that as well? Do you bring in a lot of, like, stuff that's going on right now? Yeah, but you got to be careful. I mean, it's, like, the mood and the zeitgeist you bring into it, but it's, like, you know, movies take so long. It's, like, when we're writing Sonic, you know, it's just, like, by the time this movie comes out, you know, like, a year and a half, two years will have passed since we wrote it. Um, so you don't want to, like, make a joke that might no longer apply by the time it comes out. Like, you wouldn't want to, you know, who knows, will Trump be president in February still? I mean, you know, probably, <laughs> but uh, not necessarily. It's hard, it's hard to say what's the, where the future will lie. Um, right. So it's like you can't be that timely. Like South Park, you know, they make it like the week before it airs, so they can be super timely. Or certain other, you know, it's like the late night shows, you know, Stephen Colbert or whatever. It's like they're working on a whole different timeline than a movie. Movies are so slow, especially a movie like this that has a lot of animation. So it's like a longer period. And it was supposed to come out like, what, uh, this year, and then it got pushed back too, so. You know, a little bit. Yeah, just because of the 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 internet freak out and then the, the subsequent redesign of Sonic just kind of pushed everything back. Even though I'm told we still could have made that right. date. Um, but it would have been hard 
for the marketing because they like wouldn't have the new footage soon enough. It felt like they could, you know, mm-hmm. make the appropriate trailers and stuff in time to still release it in November. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. Sorry about the freak Fine. out. <laughs> well, the, you, that wasn't your fault. <laughs> Are you sure? But I appreciate I, I you apologizing for it nonetheless. Yeah. I might have caused it. I don't Again. know. <laughs> it was surreal. I mean, I was glad while that was happening, too. Like, we were, you know, working on another project. Like, if I'd just been sitting at home with nothing to do but look at Twitter, it would have bummed me out. But I was like, yeah, I took, <laughs> take a glance and be like, wow, people are really freaking out. Like, All right, Josh, we got to outline this next movie. And, you know, we got <laughs> to finish this by Friday, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, people are going to start looking at Twitter. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, the next producer is going to be looking at Twitter. <laughs> um, having deadlines but, is, uh, <laughs> is good. I mean, like, when Trump got elected, we, that's when we were, like, outlining Sonic, and it was just like, I couldn't watch the news. Everyone else was like, oh, I can't do any work. I got to watch the news and just, like, freak out about this. And uh, uh, But we were, like, <laughs> under deadline already. It was like, there's no time to think about politics. Got to <laughs> gotta write about this speedy boy. And his crazy adventures. <laughs> well, um, I guess uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, that I wanted to to reach out about, and I'm really glad and thankful that you had your, you know, given your uh, time to, to come out of here because I know you're, as you said, you're busy. You're a busy guy. So um, thank you so much. Um, I got happy to be other here. Than, I guess you said all the stuff that you're kind of doing right now, like you talked about. Sonic the Hedgehog and Into the Dark. Is there any other projects that are coming out that you can talk about? I can't. I wish I could. We got yeah, we got two other movies that are in the pipes, but neither of them are public, so I, I can't. I can't talk about them until the studio does, and it'll be mad at me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> one of them, yeah. Well, no, I won't even say anything. There, there are two two upcoming things that are both going to be. Um, we, well, one one's a pretty big movie, and the other one's kind of a medium-sized movie, but still really big compared to where we came from. As you know, what our our small movies were like—it's a lot bigger than that, you know. Um, well, even your small yeah, movies were great. Well, thank you for saying that. You know, actually, we're even talking about—maybe I shouldn't promise this—but no, we're going to do it at some point when once we have a little bit of a break. Um, just to work on it, I think we're going to put those old movies up on um, Amazon Prime so people can watch them. Uh, but we can't yeah, do it I... until we have a chance to go through and uh, do uh, closed captioning and stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. Please what do you think of that idea? Gonna have... What do you think of uh... Please tell me you got Frankenstein's roommate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got that. I mean, I think the ones we put <laughs> okay. up. I think we're going to put up Hey, Stop Stabbing Me um, and Sledgehammers is gone. And then I'm not sure. The other ones where I, I have to rewatch and see if, if it's okay with these going out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, these are not quite up to snuff uh, in terms of production quality and a lot of other things. Um, and I guess also we got to watch them to make sure they're not too offensive and aren't going to like, get us canceled. Uh <laughs> Make the whole public from, turn from, on us. Who knows what kind of jokes we were making back in the nineties? I don't remember. 
from the writers of Sonic the Hedgehog because they stopped stabbing me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like I want them yeah, to be available for people in the know to watch, but I don't necessarily want all those Sonic people to watch it. <laughs> um, but I want it, I, I'd like for it to be up so that, you know, the people who are in it and stuff can watch it who maybe don't have copies anymore. You know, it's been a long time. And uh, for, you know, people who just, like, love weird little horror to, to enjoy it. Because that's, that's, that's who it was for from the get-go. Uh, the, the people who yeah. love, you know, strange, strange movies that are original and different, not the same kind of stuff that, you know, the studios are making. Definitely. That's how I found you guys. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to uh, – I'm excited to check that out. And you remember that uh, we re-reviewed – so far, like last year, we reviewed Hey, Stop Stabbing Me for Indie Film Cafe. And then uh, for, um, what is it? Uh, shoot. Um, for this year, we did Gamebox. So next year, I got oh, yeah. review. Oh, yeah. I listened to that Gamebox episode. I did listen to that Gamebox episode. <laughs> <laughs> we had a fun time. We enjoyed it. It was it was really fun. Um, it's and such a weird on, movie. Uh, I haven't watched that one in a long time. Well, I hate to say, like, the first time I watched it, I don't know, like, I didn't, I don't think I felt like I got into it, so I thought it might not hold up, you know, but the this time I watched it, I really loved it, like, I don't know, it was just, it really got me, so I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking the first first time I, I, I watched it, I don't know, maybe I was expecting something different, and then, uh, you know, uh, next yeah, I mean, time I got it, it to you be- funny like hey stop stabbing me that's just kind of not what it is it's a different kind of thing right um it was fun though that's one where our writing process was really like the hill and brands were paying us to do it but because the budget was so low there the pay was really pathetic i forget what it was they, they paid us like five grand to do the whole thing or something so our we were like well right. we'll do it but because we're getting so paid so little we have to do it really fast so we don't waste a lot of time for no money so i think we would go mm-hmm. at the time we were like running and we would like run around the lake and just like pitch stuff and then go back and write pages. And we wrote the whole thing in like a week and a half. And we didn't have time to really outline it all the way to the end. So it was like, we were sort of, but we were like, no time to, to worry about if this is the best version or not. Whatever the, our first good thought is, we're just doing it. And we'll just plow ahead. And that's how we did the whole movie. And it actually um, worked reasonably well, I thought. <laughs> yeah. That ending was great, actually. You know, really worked out. Perfectly. So. I think the ending was maybe the one thing we had, but we didn't know how we were going to get from the beginning to the ending. I'd read that oh, okay. Isaac Asimov uh, wrote this, this is book of essays about writing uh, gold, or it's like half short stories and half, half essays about writing. And, well, maybe he talked about it in another intro. I loved Isaac Asimov as a kid, and I would always read his intros too. He talked about how he didn't really outline his stories. Um, but he always knew what the ending was. And all his all his stories in his books always kind of end with like a point. Like that's like the idea of the book is also the, the point, the big twist, whatever the sci-fi point he's trying to make. So he knows what the ending is, and then he just kind of backs up to something that seems like a good beginning, and then he just sort of plows towards the ending until he gets there. That's, that's how he right. he did it. And as we've gotten further into our career, we've outlined more and more, but we still sometimes we will start writing when we still have a gap in the outline. 
you know, we're like, I know what the ending is. I know what the beginning is. I know what this part of the middle is. And here's this sort of like missing chunk. But you know what? We'll, that'll become apparent while we work on the rest of this. It'll sort of fill itself in. Um, and it usually does. Uh, so I'm reasonably comfortable continuing to do that. Well, thank you so much for calling. It's literally going to hang up on me in like a minute. So uh, I oh, okay. want to say, uh, <laughs> how can people – no, no, it's fine. Perfect. I love that. I love hearing that. Um, how can people reach you on social media? Um, on Twitter, I'm Pat underscore letter K, letter C, Pat Casey. Um, and on Instagram, I'm Pat Casey Superstar, an absolutely ridiculous handle. And that's, that's pretty much it. That's <laughs> how you can reach me. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Patrick. This is awesome. I really appreciate you coming out and taking your time to, to do this interview. Uh, thanks for having me. I was good to chat with you. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was Patrick Casey. Uh, Join us uh, in two weeks for another fun, exciting adventure on the Writer's Process Podcast.